you. Love you. Hope you hope you guys come next Sunday morning, nine o'clock. It was powerful this morning, and you, uh, boy, Dave, I'd love to have all those notes. You know what I mean? Take them, uh, put them, send them to me, and um, I'll tell everybody everywhere there's an attack on the next generation. It's not it's not a secret, and uh, and we are the only hope. I said the church is the only hope for this next generation. Is we are the, we're the only hope. And uh, don't you don't you know God is a good Father and He does love us, and and so today I want to talk about letting hope arise, and uh, we're going to go to Isaiah, and Isaiah has a powerful verse you all know it, and uh, those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they will mount up, they will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Let's look at it so you. So you can help us uh, go through the scriptures together. So that those who wait on the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles, rising toward the sun. Amen? They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. Anybody here tired? Tell you what, I get tired every now and then. Uh, how, uh, how many's ever been sick and tired? I'm sick and tired of the devil, aren't you? Sick and tired of all the things that are going on against the church, and and it's time for us to rise up in hope. Let me just tell you, Satan's last days ditch effort to destroy the church or the people of God, not only to wear them down, but to knock them out. He's trying to wear them out. He's trying to wear them out, and uh, he's doing a good job putting all the things around us. He's trying to render us hopeless. If he can get you, see, he cannot get your faith. How many know the Bible says to every man, woman, boy and girl, has been given a measure of faith. It's a gift from the Lord, right? And so he can't take our faith, but we can surrender our faith to him. That is an option. So what he does, what his trick is, is to render your situation hopeless. So then if you get to a place of hopelessness, then you will throw in the towel and quit. You give up your faith. He can't steal it. But this is a trick. The enemy is trying to wear you out, wear you down, slow you down, ultimately stop you from being all that God's called you to do. But our theme this year is sore. Somebody shout sore, sore. And uh, because discouragement seems to be the order of the day, we don't need to get into it. Y'all know what 2 Timothy 3 talks about, verse 1. Perilous times, right? You can go on and read it. You know how bad it is. And uh, and and uh, Satan's goal is to render the situation hopeless in 2023. And we know what Jesus said. I mean, no, Jesus had a remedy for hopelessness. And it fills my heart with hope. I will build my church. And the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. That sounds like victory to me. And so God has a plan. Some of you are losing hope. Some of you are tired. Some of you are having meltdown. I know it. I feel the fatigue as well. We're running in every direction. It wasn't many years ago. I felt like I knew what I was doing when pastoring. You know, the longer you do it, the better you get, seems like. Or maybe you get used to it. Not sure. But you have techniques and skills and you develop them and but how I many know oh, uh, things have changed? And the more I feel like I know, the less I have a clue about. 
no idea anymore. You know, used to have a measuring, you know, a rod. You used to have rules. Everybody obeyed the rules. I'm, I'm even scared to drive these days. Came up on a four-way stop the other day, and everybody stayed. Nobody knew what to do. It's kind of scary. Are you going? No, I'm not going. You go. <laughs> Five minutes, and like, finally, I took off. Got a little ADD going on. Can't stay here forever. How I many know we are on a move? We're moving somewhere. We cannot stay any longer where we are. And the goal for this series is that you cannot stay where you were when you started 2023. How many is ready to take a journey upward? We're going to soar. We're going to soar. We're, we're not going to deny the fact that there's bad things going on everywhere. We're just going to go across, uh, above the turbulence. We're going to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're going to get an eternal perspective, and we're going to bypass the storm and move on to what God has for us. So I know you're tired. I am too. But I want to encourage you today to let hope arise. It, and it feels like you're losing your faith, but I want you to understand you're not losing your faith. You may be losing your hope. Yeah, you don't lose your faith. It's the hope that, that seems to dwindle, seems to wane, losing hope. And when you lose your hope, how I many know your joy is coming next? And you lose your joy, boy, you have nothing to be happy about. How I many know depression is the order of the day? Seems like everybody's just pretty much defeated has a defeatist mindset. It feels that way. But it's not real. You are in danger of losing your hope. So your your faith deals with education. How many know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? When you hear, when you grow, when you know the word, how many know it gives you faith? Your faith increases. Your faith grows. More of the word in, more faith to believe, right? More faith, more hope, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, right? So we're hoping, we're believing. So so hope, though, on the other hand, it deals with emotion. So it deals with morale. It deals with stamina. It deals with your strength. You lose hope. Many people give up, and they say things like, I'll never make it. Or, or there's no use in trying. Or I've done it and it doesn't work. How many know the devil is a liar? How many know God's way still works? Hope in God. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Amen? So if faith is the dynamite, then hope is the fuse that lights it. You got to keep hope alive. How many know as long as Jesus is alive, there's still hope? And he hadn't come back yet. That means you and I still have something to do. He's on his way. How many know he's on his way? Your victory's coming. But if you start losing morale and stamina, fatigued, man, you're coming around the last lap, it can get really tiresome. So we must remain confident of the good things that are coming. We need hope-filled people at Oak Grove Assembly. Can I have an amen? There are plenty of hopeless people around us. And it seems like, you know, one hopeless person, you can get, you can get somebody to give you um, 15 uh, gripes, complaints. But look, just one saint come up to you and say something hope-filled, faith-filled, and compliment you. And how I many know oh, you can, it, it's like a tadpole slapping a whale. It's just, <laughs> fills you with hope again. I am going to make it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am going to make it. 
I may not look like much when I get there, but I am going to make it. And so there's hopeless people. You can spot them easily. They're all around. They can be easily recognized as hopeless because their favorite phrase is, yeah, but. We're going to have a revival. Yeah, but. Jesus is coming. Yeah, but. There's always somebody with a pessimistic attitude. Are y'all hearing me today? (laughs) And so he will deal with the emotions. He tries to get you emotionally quicker than you could pull the drill sword out with your scripture. He tries to get your mind, right? Tries to target you. And it's, and, uh, and, and uh, it seems that we've, we've forgotten what God has said. In case anybody forgot what God says, how many know God still speaks? Romans 4.18, in hope against hope. Talking about Abraham. In hope against all hope. He hoped against hope. When hope was running out, he hoped. Are y'all hearing me? In hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations and he ha- as he had been promised. Why? Because God said it. He kept believing it. And what did he say? He said, numberless shall be your descendants. Your descendants will be as the grain of the sand. And he had no children. And he couldn't have any. So when God, I see no, I see no evidences. Faith, come on now. Faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things not yet seen. So he begins to call those things that are not as though they are. But why? Not because he made it up. It's not a name it, claim it. God said it, therefore he had faith in it. He hoped for what God said to come to pass. Is anybody getting any of this? So is God still speaking? (laughs) In our text, Israel, um, Isaiah 40, was in a bad place, a hopeless situation, season. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. None of you have, but I've been there. Has anybody ever been in a bad season? Of course you have. Nobody wants to admit it. And here today, pastor's not here to deny bad seasons. We all have bad seasons. What I'm here to say is how do you... How do you thrive? How do you soar in a bad season? How do you have the victory in a storm? How do you get through the circumstances you're going through? And Israel writes, uh, this, it's here. Uh, they were living in a pretty bad and suffering, uh, times in captivity over in Babylon. And chapter 40 is a hope filled chapter. As Isaiah says, comfort my people. Let's look at it. It's pretty powerful. Uh, he says, comfort my people. Isaiah chapter 40, I will read it. I didn't put it on the PowerPoint because I figured you had a Bible. Somebody shout amen. Chapter 40, let's go to verse 1. I won't read the whole chapter and everybody got glad about that. Comfort, yes, comfort my people. Look at the Lord. This is the word of the Lord from the prophet Isaiah. The first 39 chapters, he's prophesying judgment. And why are they in Babylon? Because of their own doing, rebellion and wickedness. They allowed the enemy. They began to worship idols and other things. And they turned and they forgot God. They forgot the God of Israel. They forgot their God. So God, as a good, good father, how many had a good father that showed you the good blessings of discipline? How many enjoyed the good blessing of discipline? 
I didn't. When my dad was six foot one, when he took his belt off, it took five minutes. Long belt, big man. It gave me time to run. Where's Ronnie? He's under the bed. What I found is that the belt was so long, it could reach even under the bed. But look at our good father. Change things in chapter 40. Chapter 40 is an awesome, awesome, awesome place to be. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her. What do you want me to tell them, Lord? Well, y'all ready to get into this? Tell her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. Is anybody here glad that God saved us from sin? Is anybody here been through a battle and you can't wait till it's over and God is telling him, hey, you've been through it, but you're about to come out. She has received from the Lord's hand double for her trouble. The voice of one crying in the wilderness goes into that John the Baptist New Testament kind of thing. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain will be brought low and healed. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Is anybody glad to have a speaking God? They're sitting in Babylon in captivity. It was prophetic what's coming, right? And Isaiah the prophet's prophesying, hey, you're going to go through it. But guess what? The, the goodness of God, the comfort of the Lord is coming your way. And they got in there, they got in there, a pagan place, a wicked place, an evil culture. They were in smack dab in the middle of it. And they began to get comfortable in a wicked culture. But God sends a word. While they were there, they began to think that uh, maybe the gods of Babylon are greater than their God. Handmade gods, trinkets, little kitty cat with a hand. You know what I mean? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been to a Chinese food restaurant? Little kitty cat, right? I mean, no, there's more. If there's more to it than a little statue, they got a little orange in there and some incense. I mean, no, there's more to it than a cute little kitty cat. Porcelain. Somebody's given their homage and paid allegiance to that. And while they were in captivity, they're thinking that their little kitty cat is better than Almighty God. And so God says, now, nah, I'm going to help you here. Speak to them. Speak tender, tenderly to them. They're feeling their hope is disappearing. I want you to see with the comfort of my people. Wow, what a prophecy. I call that a WAP. W-A-P. Turn your neighbor and whop them. Pow. That's a whop. That's a whop. What a prophecy. A whop. I made that up. Tweet that, somebody. What a prophecy. <laughs> How many like to whop Satan upside the head with that prophecy? Comfort my people. Tell them that all they've been through is coming to an end. Your battle is over. Talk to them tenderly. Tell them I haven't forgotten them. Tell them, don't compare me to the gods of Babylon. I'm still the God, the one and only God. And so they're feeling hope disappear. 
because God has been seemingly silent for a long time and the word of the Lord comes, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to my people. And God says, tell them, tell her, her sad days are gone. How many like to see all your sad days gone? A new day is arising. That's what he's saying. And her sins are pardoned. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be sin free. No, no, no. Not sinless. Sin free. Not perfect. But if I'm going to, if I'm going to uh, make it, I'm going to have to lift my eyes toward the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. If I'm going to make it down here, I've got to let my spirit soar up there above all of these things down in Babylon. I've got to go to another place because it's wearisome down here. Seems hopeless down here. We're tired down here. This is the story. So the Lord has punished her double for her trouble. Somebody ought to shout amen. You will get punishment because God disciplines those he loves. If you deserve it, he'll give it to you. Okay? Yeah, anybody's parents said, do you start crying, you know, when they whip you? You keep crying. I'll give you something to cry about. Like the reason I'm crying right now, Dad, is because you already gave me something to cry about. It's like if there's more. Thank you, Father. So the Lord's punished them, but, but there's a new day coming. He's speaking. He's speaking to us who have lost hope this morning. The only thing Israel had heard till now was judgment, which they brought upon themselves. But God's giving, uh, giving them a new word. Let me just ask you, has God given up on Israel? Not, not on your life, but they feel that way. You know why? Because we have a real enemy who's always playing with our emotions, dealing with our hope. and We lose our hope. You think the situation's out of control and there's no way. So Isaiah, he breaks the silence with a promise, a comforting word, a hope-filled word, a tender promise. God speaks comfort to you. In that place you're at this morning, that season where, where there was no peace, no comfort, no hope, God says, I didn't overlook your sin, but I did pay the price for your sin. Double for your trouble. I paid the price. I mean, Isaiah's prophesying, looking forward to the great crucified Christ who took upon us the suffering Savior who took our sins. Is anybody here glad for the real Calvary? Not the horse and the, and the, and the, and the rider with their guns coming to save the day. I mean, no, Jesus saved the day. Jesus saved the day. I was dead in sin. But he came and cleansed me. Somebody ought to be shouting today. I had no hope. I had no future. I had no, I had no vision. I had no comfort. I had no peace. But when Jesus came, how many know everything changed? He paid for it in full. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. Come on, church. We have a lot to be hopeful about. Verse 31 says, those who hope in God will renew their strength. Isaiah saying, rise up, church. It's time for you to soar. It's time for you to get hope again. He, he's, he's fighting for you. Your sins are gone. And now you can soar because you put your hope in God. You can soar because of the size of your God. You know what? I think of God's people in the last days here. 
have shrunk God. Your God is too small. So the question is this morning, how big is your God? Because Israel gave up on him. Here we are, defeated, hopeless, and uh, and God gives a promise. And uh, for them, and, and from the God of all comfort, 2 Corinthians, I want you to look at that, 1-3. Uh, it, it's a WAP verse. Somebody WAP your neighbor again. What a promise. Blessed, gratefully praised, and adored. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and say it with me. One more time. God of all comfort, who comforts and encourages us in every trouble, every trouble, that we will be able to comfort and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble with, with the, the same comfort with which the, uh, that we ourselves are comforted by God. There's purpose in your pain. Come on, church, there's purpose in your pain. The Lord's doing something for Israel. He didn't send them to Babylon to be slaves and to be treated that way. On purpose, he wanted to put fire in them, get them back into obedience. Anything's better than Babylon. Lord, get me out of here. Amen? To obey is better than sacrifice. Are y'all hearing me? Israel had to make sacrifice every time they sinned. They'd bring a burnt offering, make it up. There goes another lamb. There goes another turtle dove. There goes some more money out of my pocket. And the more I, the more I sin, Pastor Mark, the more I spend. Sin will take everything you got. To obey, are y'all hearing anything I'm saying? To obey is better than sacrifice. If you would just walk in obedience, you wouldn't have to be burning all these offerings. Discipline is a good thing, but I'd rather not have it. I'd rather obey. The one thing I learned uh, from children and grandchildren, you don't have to teach your children to disobey. First word, no. They could be thinking they're saying yes, but they're still saying no. They mean yes, but they're saying no. It's hard to read their minds. And so God is doing something. The affliction is for a purpose. He's comforting us. God is starting our year saying, I am here to comfort you. I have, I have plans for you. Good plans, not evil plans. I have good plans, Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans for good and not for evil. But if you believe the lie of the enemy that says that what you're going through is, is God who's putting you through stuff because he doesn't love you, how I many know that's a lie? The reason you're going through it is so he can refine you in the fire so you'll come out better. It's to make you better, not bitter. But you got to get that mindset if you're going to soar. And so I want you to soar on high like eagles. He said, I will speak tenderly to your hearts. This is what God's doing. Comfort my people. Speak tenderly to them, Isaiah. Let them know I love them. Let them know. Matthew, come here real quick. I just want to see. So, so I love Matthew. I know you do too. We're proud of him and, Ted, and Tyler. And Taylor. Every time I say Taylor, I say Tyler because I can't get the two. There's too many T and Aylers, Nylers. But God's looking at Matthew and says, I love you, buddy. I slap you on the neck. I love you, buddy. 
wop, a wop. And if he's going through a rough time, I'd say, hey, man, I, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You get over there in New Orleans and get lonely, just remember Pastor Ron's praying for you. Mama's praying for you. Sister Melissa's praying for you. The church is praying for you. We love you. We got your back. You're going to come through. It may get difficult over there. You might get lonely. But I'm speaking tenderly. He knows like a good shepherd. You read the rest of chapter 40 like a good shepherd. He said, I'm with you. I'm with you. Speaking tenderly to you. Give God praise for Matthew. God's going to do that, Matthew. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd, and I love you too. What a word of prophecy. Look at it, man. It's so powerful. I will speak tenderly to your hearts. I feel your pain. It's going to be all right. It will all work out. Don't lose hope, Matthew. Don't lose hope, whoever's going through whatever you're going through. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep on standing. Your warfare has ended. Whop! That's a word for somebody today. You've been fighting for your life. God is speaking tenderly. Your hard service is completed. Every stronghold, every weapon Satan tried to come against you did not prosper. Every battle waged against you has ended. God is taking over. What a word. You have the victory. The battle still rages. But for you, it's over because I am taking over. How many know the battle belongs to the Lord? Maybe you're tired because you've been fighting on your own. The arm of your strength. How many know the Lord said, no, no, no. You can't do it in your strength. Give up. Don't give up, but give up and let me take over. So the, the battle will rage, and you'll keep going, but you'll have my strength because you're going to soar up into heavenly places with me. And I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. And you let somebody come up and mess with you, they're going to have to mess with me. I pity the poor fool who messes with God. And so he's fighting for you. Your sins are gone. He paid the price. He drank the cup. And now you can soar because you put your hope in a big God. In a big God. How big is your God? It's not only about his size. I mean, no, it's about his smarts. I mean, it goes on to talk about how great he is. I mean, verse 12, who has measured the waters in the palm of his hand. God measured the waters of the whole earth in the palm of his hand. I mean, no, that's a big God. Seven seas. Like a little drip of water in his hand. That's a big God. Holds the dust of the entire earth in a basket. How much dust is in your house? We can't even hold the dust in our house in a basket. And look what else he does. He, he weighs the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. The mountains and the hills are... Wade. He knows how much they weigh. Not only is he that big to hold it, he's that smart to know how many pieces of dust is on the whole planet. That's a wise God. So why are you trying to figure everything out? If God's smart, let God be God and every man a liar. Amen? Hey, listen, the Bible says God neither slumbers nor sleeps. So why should both of us stay up all night? 
I'm going to sleep. You got this, God. Good night. But don't we do that? We take control. So God says, hold on, Israelites. Have you been trying to compare Babylonian gods to me? You, you mean to tell me you thinking your gods didn't, didn't you, you know, your God, your, your God gave up on you? You think I gave up on you, Israel? So you think these gods, these trinkets and these little things that they made in Babylon, you think they? And don't we do that? We look at the culture and all the gods of this world, money and education and whatever they got to offer. I mean, oh, God's bigger than all of that. I said, God is bigger. He's mightier. Just because you're in Babylon doesn't mean Babylon has to be in you. And just because you're in darkness doesn't mean darkness has to be in you. But when we give up hope, when we give up hope, when we throw in the towel, I'm done. Can't go no more. How many's ever said that? In your breath, don't raise your hand. I'm done. I'm done with this job. I'm done with this church. I'm done with this life. I'm done with this. Done with it. Quit. Quitters. Quitters don't win and winners don't quit. We're not going to quit. My favorite verse, Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, in due season, at the right time, God will bring the harvest. Due season. And, and if, if conditionally, if one thing, if you don't faint, you don't quit, You can get tired as long as you don't quit. You can get knocked down as long as you don't quit. Paul said, I've been knocked down, but I'm not destroyed. Right? I've been oppressed, depressed, and every kind of pressed on every side, but not discouraged. I have hope in God. See how that is? A mindset. It's a mindset. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let your mind be seated with God in heavenly places. Put on the mind of Christ. Are you seeing this? Thinking like God, having a perspective that God always redeems and wins. People want to be delivered, but they rarely want to be developed. Want to be developed? Babylonian captivity was development. Oh, I'll get me out of here, God. Get me out of here, God. But when you start acting like a young man or woman, I'll get you out of there. You see that? Discipline is your friend. He's trying to help you. Forging you in the fire. He's helping you. Your season is only for a season. It's a time. Hope in the Lord. I said hope in the Lord. Amen. Hold on. Because God is on his way. Little old handmade, man-made gods can't compare to our great God. Look at the size of our God. Look at David, little old David, big Goliath. It looks like Goliath is big and David is little. But how many know little becomes much when you place it in the master's hand? You're looking right up here at two fish and five loaves of bread. But how many know when I'm finished preaching, God's going to distribute some things? Holy Ghost is going to be able to feed every one of you till you're full. Unless you're not hungry. Then you're anemic and weak and you need to make an altar. Are you right? And so so we want you to see that our God is great and mighty. There's nothing my God in children's church. My God is big. He's so big and so mighty. There's nothing that my God can't do. 
Some of you need to go down to children's church every now and then. Oh, we have fun. He controls nature. Hmm. The mountains and the seas and the wind and the waves, they all are subject to his authority. They all obey God. It may be, <laughs> you may be in a dark season, but, but the dark season doesn't need to be in your life. He controls the world leaders who look at, uh, I don't have time to go through it all. I'm, I'm going to finish and we've got a great testimony coming up here. But, but, but God, he, he holds the keys. And uh, these great world leaders, they claim they have power and sovereignty over all people, but they're not. They're not as fearsome as they appear. I don't know about you, but I'm not afraid of Russia. You know Russia. Russia, Putin. Ooh, Putin. And China, I can't even say his name. Afraid of China? I'm not afraid of Russia or China or Iran or Turkey. How many know I have a big God and he has a plan and he has an agenda that Russia and China and Iran and Turkey cannot stop. They think they order the world, but they don't order the world. How many know my God orders all things? There's only one sovereign and his name is Yahweh God. Afraid of them? Fear takes away your hope. Afraid of that? God's eyes, they're a speck of dust. <laughs> and he sets them up for a season. Then he brings them down. To compared to God, their time to rule is short and their sovereignty is limited. It looks like they're getting away with murder. It looks like they have the strong hand. But how many know they don't? You got to start focusing on the real, which is in heaven, and not the temporary, which is on earth. You got to lift your eyes and soar above to see what's going on in heavenly places. As Pastor David said this morning, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness where? High places. You got to soar to those places in God. And so our God is great. And he'll take care of the world leaders. And, um, and therefore, we who hear this word should take comfort and rejoice in hope. The oppressors are limited. Trust God. I'm going to stop there for today. I know that's tripping you out because I usually go as long as I want. But we have somebody coming to give a testimony. Miss Serena, would you come? And I'm going to yield. I'm going to yield the rest of my time to the sister. Don't forget to hope in God. Listen to this testimony and watch what God can do. Come on, give God praise for Miss Serena. Oh, Lord, speak through me. <laughs> um, you know, growing up, um, I was just, well, they call me Rena. I was just Rena Hood. Little Rena Riding Hood, that's what they call me. Um, the daughter of Eddie and Isla Hood back there and granddaughter of Ed and Leela Hood and Naomi Ducker, but I didn't know how special I was to God until about 24 years ago this March. Um, so I just want to tell you, first of all, he picked, picked me up and put me on solid ground. I am, to me, I was nobody. Like I said, I was just little arena hood, just living my life. 
God brought me here, and he's told me throughout 24 years, everything the enemy's tried to steal from you, I'm going to give back to you. I have a husband I cannot have even dreamed of or imagined. <laughs> My best friend. I have two boys who are in the ministry who are serving the Lord. Just blessing after blessing. And so, you know, I've had some things happen. And if you've seen, oh, I've had back surgery, blah, blah, blah. But three years ago, I fell and fell on my knee. And it hurt off and on. Well, probably this summer, it just started waking me up at night. And it hurt. You probably see me around here with a knee brace on and just kind of wore it. And I went to the doctor. We had an x-ray. Yeah, I think you've torn your meniscus. We probably need to have either physical therapy. We need to have shots and MRI. I said, well, let's just have the MRI and see what's going on. Well, if you know the insurance people, usually it's a everything else. Nope, they approved it. Let's do the MRI. So MRI was scheduled for this last Tuesday. And so two weeks ago, I came up for the prayer line. Now, much first of all, I'll tell you, this is not a story about the physical healing. God told me to tell you all, this is a story that this is a testimony of how much he loves me and that he is real and he knows who I am. He knows who I am. Sometimes my husband and I will, but you know what? God didn't forget it. He said, I know who you are. And he said, this is about not just a physical healing, this is about me knowing who you are. And somebody here today needs to know that God knows who you are. He knows who you are and he loves you. He'll do something for everybody. It wasn't just about me coming out here and going, oh, Lord, touch this knee and heal it. No, I came down and I said to the prayer partner, oh, yeah, this knee brace, I'm just getting tired of it. Listen to you, I was getting tired. <laughs> and I said, when you pray, I have an MRI coming up. And then I just looked at the prayer partner and I said, but I'm also going through some spiritual stuff. I had to humble myself before God and say, you know, I'm going through some stuff. But I said to this person, I humbled myself and said, I'm going through something spiritual. And me and this prayer partner, we asked the Holy Spirit to come. And all I remember is this just being in the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you in a minute what all the Lord did. But let me tell you, first of all, said, I needed that confirmation that I was doing what God wanted me to do. See, God knows every aspect of every part of everything. So not only did he heal my knee, but, you know, he told me two weeks ago, he said, don't say anything till after your MRI. Now, I told a couple people, hey, God touched me. But he said, don't, I don't want you talking to pastor. Let me tell you. He said, have the MRI. I was like, okay. Now, MRIs are not cheap, right? Okay. So we had, we ha I had an x-ray, and they said, hey, we're going to have you go get an MRI and see really how much torn this meniscus is, what we have to do. And I was like, okay, Lord, I, I feel like you touched me, but I'm going to have this MRI, and I'm going to trust you, and if I have to have surgery, we're going to trust you. Well, I get there, and I text Gary later. I'm like, by the way, I just wrote the check out and paid for the MRI part of it we owe, which was not cheap. But when I got home, I said, by the way, it was about the same amount as that check we got in the mail a couple weeks ago we weren't expecting. 
escrow stuff from our house. We were like, why do we get this check for? <laughs> it was about the same amount. So not only did the Lord heal my knee, so later that afternoon, uh, that Sunday, I was kind of like, you know, my knee is not sore because it would wake me up at night. If you guys have had chronic pain, we're talking, you know, I was like, whoa, look at this. I mean, it was painful. I mean, poor Austin to make sure I didn't fall off during the Christmas thing. <laughs> but not only that, but I was sitting there and I looked at Gary and I said, you um, remember that knot I've had back on my shoulder for four years and you touch it, I just want to be sick. And I couldn't really move my arm very well. Um, when I had to go take care of Cordell last summer, he went with me because we didn't think I could physically pick up, pick him up. Um, so this knot I've had. And it hurt. I had to sleep a certain way. I couldn't move my arm. You see what I'm doing? Okay. Because God knew what he needed me to do. I don't know what that is. So he didn't just touch my knee. He didn't just touch that. I also had fibromyalgia. And um, I couldn't touch myself without crying. But I think he's told me of that too. I say that to say this, though. God touched me. But instantly I said, I felt guilty. Has God ever done something for you and you felt guilty? I felt guilty that God healed me. When my dad struggles to walk and my mom to take care of him and Kathy instantly got, I felt guilty because I was like, Kathy has been praying and praying God touch them, heal them. I have a, I have a lot of pain tolerance. I can take it. You touch them. And I shared that with my dad. And you know, he told me. He said, once you realize what, G what Jesus did and why he had to have somebody help him carry that cross, what do I have to complain about? Do you know what Jesus did for us? And then he knows you. I am not a person that gets up here and tells testimony. I'm little, I'm little Rena Hood from grandparents in Nixon, Missouri. Grew up, don't, didn't even know the Lord knew who I was. God knows who you are. If you're up in the balcony sitting there or wherever, God knows who you are. He has been telling us since the beginning of last year, Oak Grove, keep our eyes on him. I'm here to tell you because that prayer partner was here, not just to say for here, but they were here to help me invite the Holy Spirit in and to say, I'm struggling. I had to humble myself and say, I'm struggling a little bit. And this healing is a manifestation of me showing you that I love you. Now go tell Oak Grove that I love each and every one of them. And I'm going to touch them and heal them in many ways. I will tell you, I still pray for my parents daily, Kathy, <laughs> for that physical healing. But to have my daddy here and my mom in this church, that is a healing. God has done a lot of things in my family this last year on healing certain things. And it's not just, it's not physical. It's been, it has been spiritual. <laughs> it has been a lot. Don't give up. So I just want to tell somebody today, encourage you, don't give up. And I'm here to tell you, Satan is a liar. God has a plan. It might take a while, because this boy will tell you he ran. But he got tired, didn't you, bub? He got tired. And I pray for, for Brandon just as much. He's in the ministry. God's after him. Pray for your pastors. Pray for our pastors. And pray for each other, because Oak Grove... I love it. I always say this, and I and I use this at work too. Um, one thing I, we, I just have reviews with my whole team, and, and Pastor, I told him I said, 
um, we are a team. We are Oak Grove. <laughs> and so I love it when pastors, especially, you know, during the, the, um, like the meeting we have coming up, he'll say, we come in here as Oak Grove, we leave as Oak Grove. So we are here. And if you're going through something, I don't care what age you are, how old you are, there's someone here to help you, to lift you up. I'm here for you because God wants us to know Oak Grove. He loves us. He loves us. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise, would you? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So the word of the Lord, you may stand. The word of the Lord is speaking. He's basically saying you can expect pain. Nobody's going to be exempt from pain. I'm not sure what you're going through, but I do know that God wants to comfort you, speak a tender word to you. He wants you to not only just expect pain because, you know, it's inevitable down here, but you ought to be able to learn how to express praise. There's a difference between expecting pain and dealing with it and expressing praise. So the way to praise the Lord is to get your brain, your mind, your soul, your spirit, man, into another level, a new dimension. I mean, we are two-dimensional. Amen? So we got to get, get our minds on things above. Let's soar. Let's, let's elevate above the darkness, above the clouds, above the pain, and stretch our hands upward. Come on, let's look up. Let's look up to our mighty God. This